1208. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So glad to have you with us uh, during the 2 o'clock hour. We're scheduled to be joined in studio by U.S. Senator Ron Johnson. That's coming up uh, right after the 2 o'clock news. Pop Culture Corner at 2.30. Lots of stuff before that. Let me pass on... Let me pass on a rumor that has Washington talking. This is the breaking news rumor. Um, Dean Heller, who is a Republican senator from Nevada, apparently was out uh, making the rounds. He's involved in a it's going to be a tough campaign. You know, he's a Republican senator. He said, and I don't know if he's just talking out of a certain part of his anatomy or not, but he said that he he believes that uh, Justice Anthony Kennedy is planning to retire and will retire this summer. Uh, Justice Kennedy was appointed in, what, 1987, I think, by President Reagan. He's 82 years old, and he is he's typically viewed as sort of the swing vote um, in, in Supreme Court decisions, but he tends to side more with the conservatives. I, I would lump Justice Kennedy as a conservative justice. Um, so this, this would be a potential, I, I mean, I don't want to use the phrase game changer, but if Justice Kennedy were to announce that he was going to retire and he was going to make that announcement during the summer, that would give President Trump the ability to appoint his replacement. Now, the summer timing is important because who knows what is going to happen next November. Right now, the Republican control of the U.S. Senate hangs on a razor's edge, and I I still believe that the Republicans are going to retain control of the U.S. Senate simply by virtue of the fact that they have Democrats have a lot more seats to defend. But at the same time, I I also see the way at least the electoral winds have been blowing over the course of the last several months. And candid, well, candidly, while I believe that the Republicans will be able to retain control of the U.S. Senate, I, I wouldn't be betting the House on, on that, or I wouldn't be betting too much on that, even short of the House. But this would be a very significant thing, because like I say, if Justice Kennedy were to announce that he was going to retire, and that announcement would come at the end of the court's term this summer, giving President Trump an appointment while the Republicans knew that they had a majority in the U.S. Senate, uh, that would be a big deal. Um, Kennedy retiring, say, next year when the Republicans might not have a majority, then it becomes an entirely different dynamic trying to get somebody confirmed. So, again, I don't know if this is... Where this is coming from was this speculation from a U.S. senator who really doesn't know. But this this would be a big deal. It would also, I think, from an electoral perspective, have one of the things that people talk about a lot is the enthusiasm gap. And and we've seen this go both ways Um, in Wisconsin. A lot of times you, for example, you know, um, after during that recall election, you had Republican voters who were motivated. They were willing to run through walls to vote for Scott Walker. You have that happen from time to time. Uh, back in 2008, when Barack Obama was elected president, you had the enthusiasm factor. People, Republicans were kind of tired after eight years of George Bush. Um, Democrats were excited and energized about what the promise of what they thought Barack Obama was going to be. They would have run through walls to vote for Barack Obama. You've always got that enthusiasm factor here. And candidly, my my sense is right now Democrats are more engaged and more enthusiastic about voting than Republicans. That could very well change by November. And one of the things that could possibly, I think, encourage that to change would be if you had – 
another Supreme Court seat in play, particularly one that, assuming you appoint somebody who's going to be on the bench for the next two decades, you know, one that could go a long way towards helping assure a conservative majority on the U.S. Supreme Court for the next 15, 20 years. It would be a big deal. So we'll continue to watch that. Okay, we start off today's show like we start off every show, three big things. There's no bigger story than this. Um, announced yesterday that President Trump is going to meet with Kim Jong-un. Um, that was announced yesterday. Kim Jong-un, of course, has been called Rocket Man. He's the dictator in North Korea who has been saber-rattling for years and years, has managed to play one president after another, um, going back to, well, certainly Barack Obama, George Bush, Bill Clinton, arguably, has been played by North Korea. Um, and now you have the dictator um, who is now arranged, and the president has agreed to conduct a meeting. Um, what what does North Korea get out of this meeting? Well, immediately, um, Kim Jong-un gets to be viewed as a power at the table. I mean, here you have a guy from a, a backwards country. I don't even think it's fair to describe it as third world. Um, all of a sudden, he gets to go from bedrock to the, uh, you know, to a table with the leader of the free world. He gets to at least present the image that he is being treated as a global superpower. He gets a photo opportunity with Donald Trump. So he gets all that. What does the United States get? What does the world get? Well, maybe, maybe an opportunity to I don't know, try to normalize relations to the extent you can with a crazy man who has posed a nuclear threat to that peninsula, the Korean peninsula, Japan, and maybe, maybe even the United States. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. There's a lot of people out there who are casting shade on this meeting. The argument being, all right, you know, Trump's going to get taken by this. Trump's going to get played by this. He's already giving this man legitimacy, and now he's going to get more legitimacy by having him show up at a meeting. Is that valid? Or, and this is my take on this, I, I think this is, at least for the moment, I think this is a diplomatic coup for President Trump. I think it's something that, and I understand that you run the risk that you're going to be, again, perceived as being played. Here you're you're giving this guy stature. But at the same time, the reality is he poses a danger. And so far we have been, we being the world, has been unable to rein him in. So if President Trump can force him to the table and get some concessions, I think that's all to the better. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think President Trump gets a lot of points for making this happen. And candidly, I don't believe it would have happened had not Trump taken the position that he has taken over the course of the last year, which is that we will not continue to appease this man. All right, is this meeting a good thing? 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My answer is, you bet. I don't know what's going to come of it, but what is the downside? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. If you want to join us, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It's 1216. This is Jeff Wagner. 
1218, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Look, I, I, I didn't just fall off the turnip truck. I mean, I understand that by meeting with the dictator in North Korea, you immediately give him face. You give him a degree of stature. I don't know if North Korea is really serious about giving up its nuclear arsenal. But what apparently they're going to have is a summit where the president of the United States is going to meet with the dictator from North Korea. And one of the things on the table is North Korea agreeing to suspend you know, future nuclear tests in return for no promises of security. I, I don't know if it's all going to play out, but w- what is the downside of, of this? And it's been interesting to me to see the reaction we're getting from some of the Trump haters out there. And you know who you are, who if this if if this was Barack Obama, who was able to bring the North Korean dictator to the table, he would be in line for the Nobel Peace Prize. But because it is President Trump, oh, this is terrible. And again, I, I don't know what's going to come out of this, but. But at least by getting everybody in the same room to try to talk about these things, it it seems to me it cannot hurt. Let's start with Pat in Germantown. Pat, you're on WTMJ. Hi, thank you for having me. Hi, Pat. So just kind of based off what we were going through there, if we don't make the first step of getting to the table, we're never going to get out of the circle we're in right now. It's a back and forth, and we make no movement on either side. Yeah. So in my regard... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. And and what what is what is the alternative? We've tried to bring China into this to you know in, enhance um, economic sanctions. That does not appear to be you know working to the degree we we wanted. Uh, the guy in North Korea is still shooting off these various missiles. Sooner or later, something's going to go wrong. It's going to escalate, and then we're going to be looking at a military response that I don't think anybody thinks is a good idea. What could hurt? Exactly. As long as we have lines we're going through, we've tried economic, we've tried peaceful. Um, at one point, we even tried going forward with military. Now right. we're to the point where we're actually able to get to the table. Let's get to the table. Worst case, like you said, we at least have it where it gets suspended. Um, my best bet that I want to see happen is at least we get to the table. We make some sort of progress. If we don't, we at least try. Well, we're going well, along those routes. Well, right. Exactly. Fourteen. Yeah. No, thanks for the call, Pat. No, you're, you're right. I mean, see, that's that. This is. And again, it is. It is. Just, you should see some of the texts I'm getting from the Trump haters. Oh, this, he's, he's going to be played for a sucker and all this stuff. I don't know. I, m- maybe that's the case. But getting people, this is something that Obama could not do. This is something that George Bush couldn't do. They're getting North Korea in a room with the idea of talking about a suspension of North Korea's efforts to become a nuclear nation. I'm not naive. Maybe it's not going to work. All right. Maybe this will be like the Vietnam uh, peace talks for the first several years where they got no progress. Maybe. All right. But but don't you try, you know, don't you try to do something like this? Because, again, the alternative is to continue escalating tensions, which ultimately will lead to military involvement of some sort or another. And I thought that's something that everybody thought was a bad idea. Deb in West Bend. Deb, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Deb. Um, I just give him kudos for doing this because basically Trump has been hated in as being president. He gets criticized for everything he's done, and he's doing things in different ways that never any other president has done before. I mean, Grant, he said things he shouldn't say and things like mm-hmm. that, but like you said, how do we know what's going to become of this? I, I can't see anything going wrong with this, but, I mean, he's got something 
that maybe we don't even understand or comprehend what is really going to happen. Well, we're judging him. We're judging him too much, and that's what I think. Because everything he's done, you think about the press. I there's this, you know, <laughs> which I shouldn't say, but there's this television show on TV which you told me about. Who uh, you announced about so and so saying so and so? I'm sick and tired of this uh, talk show. Every morning, criticizing about everything that he does and talking against the president. He still is the president of the United States. Well, I mean, thanks to call Deb. Look, he, and he, I, the, I understand why people want to be critical of President Trump. See, I, I get all that. But this is what, and, and again, I don't know how this is all going to turn out. I, I think what, what you're starting to see is I, I, these the sanctions that have been ramped up under the Trump administration, I think are starting to hit home. I think that's the, that's the factor. What, what does, what does North Korea want out of this? Well, North Korea wants out of the oppressive economic sanctions. So maybe they're willing to trade stuff. And I, I don't know if you're going to be able to come to an agreement at, at, at all about this. But talking doesn't hurt. And, and like I say, if it was anybody but Donald Trump, you would have the liberal media falling all over itself to say, um, to say here, Nobel Peace Prize, Nobel Peace Prize for trying to, you know, work out a, a solution like this. But because it's Trump, people are saying, oh, he's going to get spun and there, there's no hope. Well, maybe there is, in fact, no hope. But then you can at least say, look, we tried, we had this meeting, and then you go from there. And maybe nothing comes out of the summit again, and so it'll turn out to be a bust. But at least you could say that you tried. And isn't that what we want? Because like I say, if there aren't, a, if they aren't able to work out some agreement sometime, you are staring you are staring military action straight in the face sooner or later because if North Korea continues to escalate stuff and they keep doing these missile tests and things like that, sooner or later something's going to happen and it's going to force a military alternative. And then once that happens, the question becomes, what does China do? And then are you potentially looking at World War Three? Well, all right, maybe this could defuse it. Maybe. And I think the president deserves credit for that. 1224, this is Jeff Wagner. When we come back, big story number two, the NRA gives money to schools and some heads explode. I'll explain. Stick around. It's 1227, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, a New York Times reporter, spent two months avoiding social media. What did he learn? Gene Miller has the details. 621 Monday on Wisconsin's Morning News. Be sure to check that out. All right. The NRA, which I understand in some people's minds is the the ultimate boogeyman. Oh, this is terrible. People, if you support the right of people, law-abiding citizens, to own firearms, that mean means you're in the side of school shooters and things like that. Well, all right, I'm not sure I necessarily buy that, but here's the story. Um, the National Rifle Association has given more than $7 million in grants to hundreds of schools in recent years. And apparently almost none of the schools say that they have any intention of cutting ties with the NRA. In Wisconsin, six school groups received about $50,000 in grants. So, I mean, here here's the deal. The NRA Foundation 
files public tax records, and it found that about 500 schools, including six in Wisconsin, received a little bit over $7 million between 2010 and 2016. All right, well, why would the NRA be giving schools money? Are they trying to indoctrinate people into, I don't know, their political beliefs? Well, okay, most of the money that was given was through competitive grants meant to promote shooting sports. The grants have gone to a wide array of school programs, including a junior ROTC, Junior Reserve Officer Training Corps, rifle teams, hunter safety courses, and agricultural clubs. Um, there's a guy in Florida who's quoted the story I'm looking at saying, whatever I think of the NRA, they're providing legitimate educational services. If the air, if the NRA wanted to provide air rifles for our ROTC folks in the future, I would not have a problem of that. And apparently the money that they are starting to distribute for these programs um, has been increasing. Again, um, they use the NRA uses this foundation, so it goes to schools. They also give money to 4-H groups. They give money to Boy Scouts and councils. Um, again, programs designed to promote the shooting sports. All right, let's open up the phone lines. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. So here you have the National Rifle Association that is funneling money through the NRA Foundation to our schools to promote things like junior ROTC or competitive shooting and things of the like. Should the schools accept this money, or is this blood money? 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I will tell you where I come down on this, and we'll discuss. But should we say no to NRA money? If you've got a school and the NRA is, I don't know, helping underwrite the junior ROTC program, should we just say no because we don't want their dough? It's 1234, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. The Bucks are falling in the standings like a rock, but are still primed for a playoff spot with their upcoming schedule. Greg Matzik dives into the games tonight at 6.07. We're right in the middle of our three big things. Big story number two, oh, the horror, the National Rifle Association. Now turns out that the National Rifle Association, the NRA Foundation, which is one of their charitable wings, has donated over $7 million over the course of the last five or six years to various schools across the um, country, including almost 50 grand to six schools in the state of Wisconsin. Now, what's this money for? Is it to indoctrinate people on, on the political views of the NRA? No. Generally speaking, it is to support um, competitive shooting teams, um, and a lot of the money apparently goes to junior ROTC programs that um, have been had to have been scaled back because there's been cuts in federal funding for those types of things. So 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let me be real clear here. I think that this consternation, this, oh my gosh, you know, we shouldn't be taking money from the NRA under any circumstances is absolutely absurd. The reality is that there are legitimate purposes for firearms. And if you're funding hunter training, or if you're funding firearm safety courses, or if you're funding junior ROTC, or if you've got a competitive shooting team, and in a time of tight budgets 
you know, if the school wants to do this and a group like the National Rifle Association is willing to help fund it, I, I say bring it on. I mean, seriously, bring it on. And the idea that you would have some of the political ideologues out there who would say, no, we're not going to take any of this money because, I don't know, we disagree with the NRA on its position with regard to this or that or the other thing, I think would be short-sighted in the extreme. But that's where we are in this politically charged environment that we're in. As far as I'm concerned, if the NRA is willing to share its money to help support groups, organizations, and school projects that I think we would all argue are worthwhile, I would say bring it on. All right, when we come back, big story number three, very, very good economic news today. Stock market has taken off like a rocket based on that good news, but there is a fundamental underlying question, and we're going to talk about it. 1238, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We know that after a long day of work, all you want to do is get home. That's where we come in. Smooth sailing right now. Drive home with Wisconsin's radio station, WTMJ. All right, let's talk for a minute about my pillow. I have been telling you about this for months now, and people ask me on the street, does my pillow really work? And the answer is yes, it does. I had not been sleeping well for a long time, and if you looked at the pillows I was sleeping on, you would probably understand why. I don't know what it is about my pillow. I don't know if it's the way it contours around my neck. I don't know if it's the way it's constructed so you don't have to flip it over because it's always getting warm. All I know is I am sleeping better, and most importantly, I'm waking up without this pain in the neck that I used to have. My pillow is not a fad. It's not a gimmicky product. They've been around. It works, and they are so sure that you're going to be satisfied. They're offering a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. So if you try it, you don't like it, no worries. All right, here's what you do. Go to MyPillow.com. Right now, they have got a deal. If you go to MyPillow.com, you're going to see this thing that says four-pack special. Click on that. They'll ask you the promo code. The promo code is Wagner, and you can get 50% off two MyPillow premium pillows and two of their Go Anywhere pillows. You can also call 1-800-953-4163. Again, use the promo code Wagner to get the deal. Bottom line is the only thing you have to lose is another sleepless night. Check them out. 1242, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Um, unemployment numbers are sometimes they are tricky. Because unemployment numbers only considers people who are actively looking for work. So if you have dropped out of the job market, let's say that you've been looking for a job for two years, can't find a job, and are no longer looking, you're not included in that unemployment number that's out there. So it's always a little bit tricky to figure out what is going on. All right, this morning. An announcement, and there's no there's no way to say that this is is bad. The U.S. added 313,000 jobs in February. This um this is one of the largest one of the largest jumps um in a, a decade. Um, U.S. employers added, like I say, 313,000 jobs. Um, economists had predicted it was going to be about 205,000 jobs. It, it just blew the doors off of that. Um, this is the most since July of 2016. Um, but again, one of the largest 
jumps over the course of the last decade. Um, what they also found is the, the jobs, um, impressive employment gains in low-income jobs, middle-income industries, and high-wage industries. So it was all across the board. The unemployment rate remained at 4.1%. Um, which is statistically incredibly, incredibly low. Now, you could say to me, well, Jeff, that doesn't make any sense. How could we add all these jobs, but the unemployment rates stay unchanged? Well, that's because one of the things that I think you saw was a number of people who were out of the job market and therefore not included in the unemployment numbers, they suddenly came back in and found work. So, I mean, they weren't included like in last month's 4.1% unemployment rate. They found work all of a sudden, so they've got the jobs. But regardless of how you look at it, it is incredibly, incredibly good news. And what it means is all across the board, low-income jobs, middle-income jobs, high-wage industries, um, people are hiring right and left. There is a downside to this. Again, I don't want to be Debbie Downer on this because this is just great economic news. More people are working. The downside, though, is looking forward. And we touched on this a little bit yesterday when we were talking about a local situation. Moving forward, the question becomes, where are we going to find our our employees? How are we going to continue to um, fuel the, the need that employers have? You know, we were talking about this yesterday in the context of, of Foxconn, because you got Foxconn that let us assume it works like it is, uh, that the jobs materialize like I think most of us hope they're going to. Okay, that's 13,000 jobs. Plus, you're going to have jobs you're going to open up in, you know, all the all the auxiliary companies, the companies and businesses that are going to open up around Foxconn. And then what about the people, for example, I don't know, in Milwaukee or Racine or Madison, those companies that are now starting to, you got to build houses or you got to build you know, the gas stations that are going to service Foxconn and all that. And what about the companies right now that are trying to find people to work in the trades and things like that, that you know, some of those folks are going to get siphoned off and they're going to go work for Foxconn. How are they going to be replaced? So with more and more people pouring into the the labor market and finding jobs, the downside is if this growth continues, and I certainly hope it does, where are the jobs going to come from? Which brings me to something that, that Home Depot announced that they were going to do yesterday. Home Depot announced yesterday that it's going to donate 50 million bucks to train 20,000 people as construction workers over the next decade hoping, again, these efforts are going to help ease a dire shortage right now that's hurting home building and driving up housing prices. They're giving the money to the Home Builders Institute, which is like the education arm of the industry. And and what they're doing is they're saying, we need to support the trades because you know we see just unbridled demand for things moving forward, but we don't know where the workers are going to come from. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. I think what Home Depot is doing is great. I, I, I do. At the same time, I think the future, you know, really starts certainly in the high schools now, as I think we need to kind of turn back the clock and we need to start saying, all right, we have to tie the programs. Again, starting at the high school level, we need to try to tie these in more and more directly to where the jobs are going to be. I mean, I've, I've told these stories before. You know, when 
when I went to Nicolay High School in the 70s, the, the whole thing was we want to place everybody in colleges. You know, we, that, that's the idea. We, we want to try. We're, we're probably we got a 95% college placement rate. And a lot of that was at these liberal arts schools and things like that. And that was all great. But the truth of the matter is, all right, you get a history. First of all, a lot of people got sent off to colleges. It probably didn't really belong in college. And then, so you, you putter around, you get your degree in history, you get your degree in political science, and I'm not knocking any of those things, but then you come out and there, there's no job market for you. I think one of the things that we really, really, really need to do is, first of all, get away from the stigma that the only way you can be successful in life is if you you know, end up at that four-year college and come away with a degree in political science or economics or whatever, which is great. I got a degree in business administration before I went to law school, but at the same time, I had no aptitude for the, the trades. I think what we need to do is, number one, eliminate the stigma that's out there that, okay, if you don't graduate from a four-year college, somehow you're a failure. That's simply not true. And number two, Start trying to figure out how to match where we are now and where the jobs are going to be with the skills that we are trying to cultivate with young people. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And see, and I think a lot of this starts with a re-emphasis on, number one, the trades, and that starts in high school with not only the learning and the teaching, but also the reaching out and trying to find the apprentice programs. Because I talk to people all the time who tell me they've got jobs and they've got good, well-paying jobs and they can't find people to do the jobs. And this is this classic example of this, you know, moving forward and seeing people flock back into, uh, again, the, the job market. You know, you, you need people who can build the houses. You need be- people who can, you know, build, like I say, the gas stations, construct the buildings. This is where the future is at. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, I'm not knocking... This is not to knock political science degrees or anything like that. It's just to recognize that, that there, this is what the future is. Um, one of our texts, I own an excavating company in the area. I could not agree more. High schools need to get past the everyone needs to get college and push a good haul and push a, a, a good handful into the trades. A tradesperson makes 60 to 90 grand a year, which is drastically more than many make with a four year liberal arts degree and a bunch of debt from college. Yeah. And that's not, again, a knock on college. It is a reflection of, uh, again, the demand. Chuck writes, Jeff, can you imagine the demand for truck drivers? Right now, before Foxconn has even started, the logistics industry is in desperate need of qualified drivers. Absolutely. And what we need to do is figure out a way to take our our growing work pool and workforce and get them trained to be able to do the jobs that they they need. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And and this is just hitting home, especially with this great economic news. Again, I'm not being the cold uh, I'm not throwing cold water on this. This is a great thing. It's why the stock market has taken off. It's great news. 313,000 people, you know, pouring into, you know, finding jobs and pouring into the economy. That's great. But all right, we're going to have to keep that up. Jan and Franklin. Jan, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yes, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I was a teacher uh, in Milwaukee for over 25 years, and when I started out, we had four shop teachers 
the teachers would teach the kids, boys and girls, mm-hmm. measurements, um, names of tools, things like that. When I left, some 30 years later, there was not a shop teacher. I never heard a counselor or principal say uh, anything about, say, MHEC or community college. It was always college, college, college. Mm-hmm. And many of these kids didn't want to go to college. Right, or, or college wasn't right for them. Right, right. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, right, and, and and yet they had aptitudes. Look, I, I, I'm no good with my hands. I, I would have been lousy if I had been in the trades, but but there might have been other people who were lousy if you know they, they took the career path that I did. But there's nothing wrong with that. You need the truck drivers. You need the you know the mechanical engineers. Right. You need exactly. the construction workers, and there's there's value in that, and there's money in that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know if it's. Uh the same thing today, but it was it 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 didn't work out. Let's put it that way. Well, no, no, right, right. Thanks for the call again. And, and plus, I mean, I think you have to have this recognition of where where are the jobs going to be? What are are the industries? Because the truth of the matter is that there are there are industries. I mean, look around. If you are old enough, I mean, remember what Milwaukee, for example. What, remember what this region was like in the 60s and 70s when you had the three breweries and you had, you know, Alice Chalmers and, and A.O. Smith and and all those, those big factory companies. I mean, I always say when I got out of high school, you know, you could you could have somebody with a high school degree and a decent work ethic who could go and find a good middle class supporting job at a factory and work their entire career there. Well, unfortunately, because of just all sorts of factors that the, that's not the case nowadays. But it doesn't mean that there still aren't ways that people can carve out a quality middle-class lifestyle. We just need to, I think, start encouraging that and and pushing people towards that. Bob in Campbellsport. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Bob. Uh, There's a blueprint out there already for training our people, and it's right in Germany. They've been doing it for the last 60-plus years after the war, they start uh, uh, testing the kids in grade school already and start moving them towards a career in whatever they their aptitude is. Right, where their aptitude and interest is. No, th- yeah, Bob, I mean, thanks to call. And again, look, I, I'm, I'm not talking about taking free will away from people and all, but I, but I do think we, we need to have an assessment. You, you need to constantly be changing and open to what the future is going to be and how are people going to be able to support themselves. Have a text here. I graduated from high school two years ago. They push everyone to college without laying out other options. They degrade blue collar jobs, which pushes kids away. Well, all right. My my guess is that there's a lot of kids who get out of high school and I don't know, go to a technical school or a vocational school or get an apprenticeship as a you name it, a plumber or electrician, you you name it. And my guess is um, two or three years later, they're going to be making a lot more than maybe the kid that's, again, and I don't mean to pick on history degrees or fine arts degrees or whatever, but you know what I mean. The, the idea that you have to go get a liberal arts degree, that's not right for everybody. Amy in Appleton. Hi, Amy. You're on WTMJ. Hi. What do you I think? I love the topic. Thank you. Um, you know, my kids go to Xavier High School up in Appleton. It's an excellent school. It's college prep. Um, but it, it ticks me off the way they have junior parent night 
and you go to this, and all they talked about was applying for college. Here's what you do. Here's what you need to do. And I just thought, why is college always the answer? There are so many other options out there. And I'm careful when I talk to graduating seniors to say, hey, what are you doing next year? Right. <laughs> Not where are you going to, to college? Right. And, and what do you what do you like to do and what are you good at? <laughs> you know, I mean, what 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 are you uh-huh. good at? You know, if 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 you're if you're good at building things and you're good at putting stuff together and you're good at using your hands and you've got that kind of mindset that, you know, works for things like that. Why wouldn't we encourage you to go into one of those areas? Absolutely. And, and my son, when he was in high school, said, you know, he's looking, I had to hire a couple plumbers and he said, Mom. You know, why wouldn't I go to the tech school, take a bunch of business courses, yep. but also work for a plumber, do my apprenticeship, and then own my own business, be an entrepreneur, and take off for hunting season <laughs> and, and make a lot of money. <laughs> uh, kind of tough to argue with that, isn't it, Amy? <laughs> I know. Yeah. I need to fix my toilet, too. Yeah. Yeah. Right, exactly. Then you call them up. Um, let's see. Tony in Milwaukee sends me a text. When I was in high school back 2000 to 2004, the school pushed that factory work was bad, not good, and we all should get these high-paying desk jobs. Well, okay, the problem is there's not that many. There's not that many high – well, there's not that many high-paying desk jobs that are necessarily out there. I mean, and see, and this is – I mean, and I guess I'm sensitive to this because, like I say, I know lots of people who work in what I'm going to just graphic, generally call the trades. And they tell me, these are people that own these small businesses, and they tell me they just can't find people. They've got these great apprenticeship apprentice programs that are out there. They can't get people interested in it, maybe because it's a stigma. But I, I think part of this is we're just not trying to do enough to identify aptitudes and tie them up. And these these employment numbers are great. I believe the economy is going to continue to roll. But one of the things that stops it is if you run out of people to end up doing the jobs. And that's where I think it does start at the school level. It's 1257. When we come back in a couple minutes, a Germantown middle school teacher has been fired after getting caught with marijuana. There's a couple interesting sidelights to the story and I want to discuss. And then... Keep in mind, at the 2 o'clock hour, we're going to be talking in studio with U.S. Senator Ron Johnson. Stick around. It's 1257. It's 109. This is Jeff Wagner. Greg Matzik alluded to it during the news report. The, the Internet, it broke this morning. You may or may not have noticed it, but it broke this morning all because of Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods, who has not won a golf tournament since 2013, hasn't led a golf tournament since 2013. He's tied for the lead in this PGA golf tournament that's being played um, down in Florida. It's actually at Innisbrook, uh, Innisbrook Country Club. I've, I've been there. It's outside of Tampa. But um, it's the Valspar um, tournament, and he's 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 finished with his round. Um, and he's one of a group of players who are finished at minus four, four under par. Um, there's a couple people out on the course who might end up doing better than that. But but he's he's for a while this morning. He was apparently the sole leader, and like I say, now he's tied for first. And even if a couple people pass him, he's still going to be in the top ten uh, by the end of the day. And the internet just broke. People going absolutely nuts. I was watching some of the golf tournament yesterday, and it really does show. 
the, the power of celebrity and, and Tiger Woods certainly has something. They were talking about how this is the first time he's played at this particular tournament. Attendance is just um, through the roof. They had to start coming in and adding, building extra bridges on the course to be able to help people get over, you know, some of the water that was there because of the, the huge expectation and the huge rush. They had to find, you know, extra portage-ons and bring in, you know, figure out where they were going to have all this extra parking. It does just show that the cult of celebrity and the fact that, you know, Tiger Woods was big in 2008 and he's big in 2018 as well. That's It's kind of a cool comeback story. I'm not the biggest Tiger Woods fan in the world, but I am a golf fan, and I think it, it's kind of cool that he's been able to come back. All right. I am curious as to your reaction to this story um, reported in the Journal Sentinel. A, a Germantown middle school teacher, this is Kennedy Middle School in Germantown, who was caught with marijuana in her purse, has been fired. Uh, Journal Sentinel reports that in a closed session on March 7th, the Germantown School Board recommended the firing of this teacher a seventh grade reading and language arts teacher. All right, the firing comes after a student discovered marijuana in the teacher's purse on February 1st. She was cited for possession of marijuana and possession of drug paraphernalia. She had no criminal history. Um, Apparently, what happened is police were notified after a student found marijuana in her purse. The purse was sitting in a room where students can wash their hands and clean up. The teacher normally kept her purse in that room. So the, the whole thing is a little bit weird. Uh, the, the purse is unattended, and it's where kids are, and somebody presumably went through the woman's purse, which, which is a whole different story. But some kid goes through her purse and, and finds this marijuana. It was a, they they call the cops, it's a small amount of marijuana, specifically a small box or pipe, commonly known as a one-hitter. All right? Okay, so that's the background. She's got it there. Now, there is another dazzling detail to this story. All right. Now, Gru, who's producing the show today and always, when I say, okay, teacher brings pot to school, gets caught, I mean, tell me... Tell me the age. When, when you immediately hear that story, I mean, what do you think of? Yeah, Gru, my producer, 25, 26, a, a new teacher, somebody just kind of out of college, a new teacher. Uh-uh. The, the woman who got bust, who got caught with this, 60 years old, and had been employed at the school for about 20 years. So you got, you got this teacher, 60 years old, has worked there for 20 years, and she's got a little bit of pot in her purse um, along with the pot ingestion thing. And she leaves it in her purse. She leaves her purse unattended. Some kid apparently goes through the purse and finds it. Um, she has now been fired. All right. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Now, she was she was cited for, you know, possession of, of marijuana. So, I mean, there, there was in fact a charge. I don't know how that's going to be resolved. Doubt it's, it, I, you know, don't know how it's going to be resolved. Um, presumably for the sake of our discussion, let's say that there's, let's say that this wasn't an inadvertent thing. Like I, I didn't know the marijuana was in my purse. 
Um, you know, my granddaughter <laughs> uh, must have stuck it in my purse or I'd lent my purse to my granddaughter and I had no idea this was in here. So let's assume that the woman did, in fact, knowingly, intentionally bring marijuana to school um, or at least knowingly, intentionally put it in her purse and forgot about it. She's no criminal record, no past history. She gets caught. She's been a teacher there for 20 years. All right. Is firing the appropriate thing? 414, or is this an overreaction? 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I will tell you where I come down on this in a moment, but this is one where I don't want to prejudice your opinion. How do you react to it? Long-standing teacher, and again, this isn't heroin, it's not cocaine, it's not methamphetamine. She's got a tiny amount of personal use purse pot in her purse that she brings to school and a kid finds it. Would you have fired her under these circumstances? 414-799-1620. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 115, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 118, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Smuggler's Blues, the perfect get back for this topic. One of the Wisconsin, one of Wisconsin state officials wants to be fired and it could happen in the next few weeks. John and Melissa have the unusual story when he joins them at 520 on Wisconsin's afternoon news. Okay. If you're just tuning in, uh, this is the way the Journal Sentinel reports it. There's this woman who has been a teacher at Kennedy Middle School in Germantown for the last 20 years. Um, she teaches seventh grade reading and language arts. She leaves her purse in a room um, where students wash their hands and clean up. She apparently normally leaves her purse in that room. This is February 1st. Um, one of the kids goes through her purse, and they're not saying whether the kid is disciplined for doing that but why the kid did it, but the kid goes through her purse, finds a small amount of marijuana. All right, notify school officials. School officials call the cops. The police confiscate the the marijuana, um, and now the the teacher um, has been fired as a result of that. Um, She was also cited for possession of marijuana and possession of drug paraphernalia. She has no criminal history. All right, is this the right result, or is this too harsh? Let's start with Bill in Brookfield. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Uh, Good morning. Hi, Bill. Um, I think this is way too harsh. I, I, I think she should be disciplined, but I don't think she should be fired, you know, especially if she's been a teacher for 20 years. Yeah. Apparently, if she's been there 20 years, she's been a, a pretty good teacher. So I think something like that, I think she, I don't think she intended to bring it. Maybe she forgot about it. That would be my but guess. I, that would be that, my guess. And first of all, I mean, any good lawyer would say, well, how do you know that it's hers? How do you know that this kid just didn't plant that? You know First of all, the kid shouldn't have been going in the in the teacher's purse. Right. So if that wouldn't happen, none of this would even be come would would have come to light. So I think that's more disturbing to me is the fact that this kid is going through a teacher's purse. That right. is disturbing to me. Okay. And I think that that's the bigger problem than the teacher. Right. Now, thanks, God. And again, they're not saying whether anything happened to the kid or not for for going through the purse. And I don't know understand. I don't know what the ramifications were. But yeah, I, this. This isn't a situation where you walk into the woman's room and the teacher is there smoking pot. I mean, this is, and again, I, I don't, I, I don't know if they had, ev- I, there's, there's nothing to suggest that they had evidence that she was smoking pot on school grounds. My guess is the scenario is kind of like you lay out that she just had it in her purse and forgot about it, which is incredibly dumb. No question about it. 
But, and of course, I mean, I, I appreciate that, you know, you want to have, we have zero tolerance policies when it comes to, you know, drugs in schools. Under this circumstance, was it unreasonable to fire her? I have a number of people who think they're funny, like on the text line. Well, if I was teaching seventh grade kids, I'd be smoking pot all the time. There might be something to that. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Jeff and Oconomowoc. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. What do you think? I, I kind of agree uh, with that, that first caller. I think punishment's way too, too harsh. Um, I think yeah, there's a serious problem with a kid that thinks he can go through a woman's purse. I mean, that's something I won't even do with my wife. <laughs> well, okay. All right. I, I, I was about to say, if you if you ever looked in my wife's purse, you can't find anything in there anyway. It's just well, like, yeah, my God, what's in that thing? You know? <laughs> yeah, it's heavy, and who knows what you're going to touch. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of like, okay, where, where we, we always go through this. Where is your phone? Well, I think it's in the purse. We, will you call my number so I can hear it? There's so much stuff in the purse. I love you, Fran. Okay, sorry. So, you, but you think that's the bigger issue as well, huh? Yeah, I am. Um, you know, and I also want to say, uh, her age doesn't surprise me. You know, when you first asked that question, right. I thought I thought it was somebody in my age group. Oh, okay, really? So it's a, okay. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, you know, when you start out, you you got to make sure you can pass that drug test. You know, when you're sort of near retirement, that's a big deal. <laughs> you're right. It's, thanks. To, well, no, that 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 is that is true. I mean, we have a very aggressive drug test here for new hires. You know, and that's and that's. I, mean, I always tell people, you know, when I when they're coming here, and if I happen to be talking to people who are applicants, I say, just so you understand, I, we do have this this drug testing policy. So if you've been, you know, and and marijuana, for example, stays in your system about thirty days. I, don't say anything, but just so you know, 414-799-1620. Do you, was firing appropriate? Mike in Menominee Falls. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Okay, was this too harsh? Uh, no, it wasn't. I'm going to go 180 on your first two callers. Fire, the teachers need to lead by example. She's teaching seventh grade students, very influential. Kids are coming, uh, presuming they still teach there in, in Germantown, which I believe they do. You know, they're taught that marijuana is a gateway drug to those other mm-hmm. drugs that you talked about with the heroin, heroin, right. the cocaine, and all those things. And I'll go even a step farther. Not only should they fire, the state of Wisconsin should revoke her teaching license so she can't teach. For for just a little bit of, I mean, for just a little bit of pot. I mean, this, this wasn't heroin. It's not Absolutely. like she was shooting up in the bathroom. Don't you don't care. Just, yep. yeah. Fire. Okay. Right, thanks for the call. I mean, I, I, I'll tell you what I think in just a minute. I don't want to kind of prejudice the calls. Um, and it, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, my guess is, again, it was just bringing the, the pot, bringing the pot to school is what got her sacked. Anita in Waukesha. Anita, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Uh, I'm a former school teacher, and um, I feel really badly for the teacher because she's taught 20 years. And, uh, yeah, 20 years at that school. Who know? I don't right. know how long she's been a teacher, yeah. Right, but I just want to let you know that it was in our contract, and it was very clearly stated, and we were you know, told, and, and this was talked about a lot, that there would be no drugs or alcohol, and you couldn't even have alcohol in your car, like if you bought a bottle of wine for somebody for Christmas. Right. But that would be grounds for firing. So, I mean, she should have been probably well aware that that was not something she should do, and I'm sure... Like you said, she probably forgot, and I feel terrible for her, but um, it's pretty clearly stated in the contract. Mm-hmm. 
at least in our district. Well, right. No, and I, I think that, that's kind of the sense I get from just reading the story and what the, the Germantown School District is saying. There, there's laws and there's different things. Right. Does that – let's put aside the contract, though, for a minute, Anita. Does that – does it strike you as an unnecessarily harsh result? I mean, obviously, there needs to be some degree of punishment. And, and right. um you know, could you have accomplished what you needed to accomplish instead of discharging her by suspending her without pay for a week or, or a, you know, long or two weeks or, or whatever? Right. You, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think it's harsh. I feel badly for her. Um, I also think, though, as a teacher, you have to kind of send a real clear message that right. um, you can't have adults um, doing something illegal um, when you're teaching kids. I mean, you're kind of on right. that side of, yeah. Right. But, yeah, and, and I guess I admit, too, that part of I'm, I'm thinking it and it is pot. I get it. It's illegal. If this was methamphetamine, if this was heroin, if this was cocaine, I, I would I would have no hesitation at all saying, of course, you know, she'd be fired. I admit because it's pot, there's a and pot is treated differently under the law. I, I, I I'm inclined to cut her a little more slack, but I certainly see your point. Yeah. But what about the kid? I, OK, you were a teacher. The other thing that's weird to me about this whole story is leaving your purse in an area where kids could go through. Right. That doesn't make any sense to me either. Well, but I used to keep mine in my desk drawer. Yeah. And then I would like to, I'd say to the kids, you know, go in the desk drawer, to a different desk drawer, and get, you know, my marker or something if they were wanting to borrow something that, you know, right. we were using or whatever. Um, yeah. At the end of our career, I had to be really careful about making sure my room was locked up and stuff because yeah. kids. I was middle school, and kids would be looking to, you know, break into some, yeah, they could get some cash or whatever, and yeah, no, I right, I I understand. I mean, I, I can't, you know, I don't know. Thanks for call. Like, I mean, I would understand that. I, I mean, I think, I guess, if I was a teacher, I'd have it in a desk drawer, and I'd I'd have that desk drawer locked. I mean, it's sort of like I, I certainly wouldn't put my wallet in a position where anybody could end up going through it. Okay, so where do I come down on this? Um, obviously, there needs to be discipline. I guess I look at this, and and if we just have the facts in front of us, um, no no prior history, first time for this. I and I know you're going to probably disagree with me, but I, I I think this strikes me as being harsh. I I get I get the zero tolerance. I I do, and I understand that there need to be consequences, but to me there needs to be or there should at least be degrees of punishment based on what happened all right is this a situation where you have a teacher that's shooting heroin in the ladies room okay boom gone no no question about it is this a teacher that's bringing you know uh, uh you know distribution level of cocaine into the school gone no problem um small very small personal use quality, quantity of marijuana should she have had it in her purse Absent evidence that she was ingesting it on the school grounds or something, I, I guess I would have tried to find alternatives to the discharge. Um, in, in you know, suspension without pay, clearly consequences. But I mean, I guess this is an object lesson that um, uh, you got to be careful if you're doing these things. And I understand Germantown, the school board, is is making a statement, and I'm sure the contract gives them the right to do it. It's just does strike me as being a bit harsh. It's one twenty eight. When we come back. Booth babes are vanishing from auto shows, and Shorewood is out of liquor licenses. Both are interesting stories. Stick around. It's 128. 
736, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, one of our texters who disagrees with my opinion that the I, I would have been looking at some sort of progressive discipline instead of necessarily firing him, says, you made the comment that the teacher wasn't shooting heroin in the bathroom. Is that the gold standard in that school district? You know, why did she have it at school, um, et cetera? Well, I, I mean, I, I, I understand. My whole point, though, is, and I've, I've tried to make this point with zero tolerance policies in the beginning as it applies to school districts. I think you treat the kid, you treat the 14-year-old girl that shows up with my doll in her purse different than you treat the 17-year-old who's selling heroin out of the, the school locker room. But but a lot of these policies don't. They say, okay, we're, we're a drug-free campus. So, boom, you know, you brought the my doll, boom, you know, you had the heroin, we treat you the same. You, you see that sometimes with the, the gun policies or, or weapons. Um, you say, okay, we, we don't want weapons in the schools. Everybody agrees with that. Well, then you've got the 18-year-old Eagle Scout senior who's got the hatchet. He was at, like, the Boy Scout jamboree or whatever or the camping thing over the weekend. He's got the uh, his backpack that has the hatchet. That's in the back of his trunk. Um, and he comes to school and he gets caught with that because somebody sees it. You treat him, okay, well, you know, we have a zero tolerance policy. You know, you brought a hatchet to school. You treat him the same way you treat the kid that you find, you know, with, with a loaded nine millimeter. And I, I've just argued that you, you have to punish things, but you have to be able to discern and distinguish between different sort of situations, and that's why I would have been looking at that. All right, uh, we got Senator Ron Johnson coming up in about 30 minutes. He's supposed to join us in the studio, and, of course, an hour from now, Pop Culture Corner, come hungry to this one. All right, two things I want to talk about, a little bit lighter. At least one is a little bit lighter. Um, Gru, who's producing the show today and always, do you ever go to the auto show? You're not an auto show guy. You don't know what you're missing. Well, I, I, um, uh, the Milwaukee Auto Show just just wrapped up. Um, and of course, before that, there was the Chicago Auto Show. Um, for years, I had I had a group of friends, and and we would go down to the Milwaukee Auto Show. And it's actually it's a great way to it's a auto shows tend to be attended primarily by guys. For whatever reason, I don't and I'm not trying. I'm just making my observation. I'm not saying that women don't go to auto shows. Of course, women go to auto shows. But in general, it I would say my guess is it's probably 75, 25 guys. That would be my guess. Guys and cars and things like that. So, I, I mean, I can remember going to the, the auto show on a number of occasions. And, you know, what you do is you go down, you go look at the cars, you get a beer, you kind of walk around. And for years and years. At auto shows, they used to have what were referred to in the industry as booth babes. And what this would be is it would be attractive women, generally speaking, um, in revealing clothing. I'm not talking strippers, but, you know, in, in revealing clothing who would, you know, stand by the cars. And the idea being... Okay, you've got the guys that are coming in there. They see the attractive woman. They go up and they look at the car. That was it. They're they're called booth babes. And apparently, it, it you know if if you were good at this, there were people who there were women models who who made these circuits. You know, got hired by GM or Chevy or Kia or you know whatever. And you know they 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 make the circuits. Okay, today the auto this week the auto shows in Chicago. All right, next week it's in Milwaukee. You know, you go and you do these auto shoot tours, and apparently you could make a a bunch of money doing this. Now, at 
I know that's been scaled back around here for for a while. The, the 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 booth babes have kind of started to disappear. But there's an interesting story by CNN. Um, let me share with you part of it. There's something different about this year's Geneva Motor Show. The booth babes are almost gone. For decades, automakers have paid glamorous and occasionally scantily clad female models to appear at major auto shows and pose for photos next to the new cars. That practice, however, is quickly being abandoned this year, with car makers now choosing other ways to attract a crowd at motor shows. ABT, a company that sells custom cars and parts, employed so-called booth babes at their Geneva Motor Show last year. This year, instead of booth babes, they went to a coffee bar. <laughs> um Spokesman said they wanted to have a more communicative atmosphere at the booth um, rather than, than having the women. So they said it seemed outdated to us. Volkswagen Group said that they would not use models in Geneva. Um, let's see. Um, this is apparently moving away. I mean, they say that the phrase used to be that sex sells, and one of the ways that you could attract interest would be having the models. Now, more and more of these companies are saying this is just, it's outdated. Matter of fact, it's so outdated that it could be um, actually detrimental to your brand. Nissan said that all of the people they had there would be knowledgeable about the vehicles at the show and the product alignment. Uh, Kia said, um, no revealing outfits. All right. Um, there are some reasons regions where using models remains in vogue, especially Asia. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, I am willing to bet that perhaps you have attended over the years, like I have, you know, auto shows. The Apparently now, because of, again, concerns about sexual harassment and the Me Too movement and things like that, more and more automakers have simply decided using the models to try to attract attention to the cars is something that is outdated. It's so 1960s, and it's just a practice that needs to be discontinued. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Will will this hurt? Will this hurt the experience, or is this just a recognition that hey, you know, maybe stuff happened, you know, in the 60s and 70s and the 80s. But now, you know, 2018, you, you don't want to use, it's no sense in using attractive models to try to draw attention to your product. And if you do, there might even be a backlash. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Booth babes disappearing. Um, is this a good thing? Or is this political correctness kind of run amok 414-799-1620 and if you've attended auto shows recently i'd be kind of curious especially if you've attended auto shows over the years um moving away from the models does that does that make them less fun and less desirable or hey people are going to the auto shows to look at the cars 414-799-1620 we discuss next it's 144 jeff wagner wtmj 147 jeff wagner wtmj I love this job. I, I just do. Okay, Dana writes, I'm an auto show fan. I noticed a lack of skin this year, and I think it's great. Having someone stand there half naked just looks sad. A knowledgeable individual, especially in an era of huge technological advances, is not only classier, but it makes more sense for automakers who want to sell the features of their product. Okay, and then um, Casey, she sends a note. 
I used to be a shot girl, and I made plenty of money <laughs> by making tips honestly. You know, I mean, it, but, it, which, which, of course, you know, raises the, this whole question about, you know, obviously, as part of the Me Too movement and part of, like, doing away with the, you know, glass ceiling and all, men treating women like, you know, men behaving like pigs around women is something that's completely unacceptable. At the same time, the flip side is... um what does this do moving forward for for people who make their careers as models or, or things like that? Because um, the, the reality is sex does sell, and that's not going to change that dynamic one way or the other. James, downtown. James, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey. Hi, James. Uh, thanks. You kind of stole my thunder oh. a little bit, but I was just going to say ask the models who are losing out on the money. Well, well, I guess that's – you see, that's the interesting point, and especially – Okay, move, moving forward. What about what about all the young women who make money as the let, let's forget work in the auto shows. What about the Bud Light girls or, you know, you know, think think of all these different types of things where, you know, you have whether it's distilleries or breweries or different places that employ, you know, attractive young women to be models and to go try to, you know, in, enhance the the enhance the the product. I mean, isn't there a market for that still? And does that mean we can't do that anymore? And that, that was my other thing is uh, a lot of these women that want to go on to have aspirations of having a modeling career, this is kind of a low-hanging fruit, a way for them to get their foot in the door, and uh, now you're taking that away. Yeah. Um, do you think auto shows are going to be less fun if you don't have the attractive women? I mean, I'm not saying they'll be less fun i mean personally i'm not a big auto show guy to begin with right i was just looking at it from the economic angle right no about the well right see and thanks and see and actually that that is you touched on the larger point i was going to try to get to which is you know what if if the premise is you got to treat you know everybody deserves to be treated with respect absolutely and if the the, the premise is that a woman shouldn't have to you know depend on her, her being able to succeed in a career without having to do whatever somebody like some creep like Harvey Weinstein wants them to do. Well, of course, everybody would agree with that. Guess the question, though, does become what, what do you how far how far does this go? You know, if you go to some hotels, not all, but some of the hotels in Las Vegas. All right. The the cocktail waitresses, for example, who make a very, very good living and they work extremely hard. But, you know, they. They, they dress in, you know, some provocative, I'll use that word, phrases, because I think they, they figure it kind of enhances the tips or the management thinks it's going to enhance the tips. I guess the question becomes, are we going to be able to and are we going to successfully take um, that aspect of sex and the sex appeal out of out of society? And I guess my answer is I don't exactly know how you are ever going to be do that and ever going to do that i when i was talking to james I, I was thinking one of my favorite stories i was out in california i was in um I, I was in los angeles the weekend before harley davidson's 100th anniversary and on the flight back um i was the flight was delayed a little bit i was sitting in lax waiting for people to board and there were a group of young women young women who were um, performers who were being brought in from from Los Angeles to go work at at one or more of the motorcycle places for the Harley thing, and and the woman who was like there, I don't know, chaperone, but the boss was was sitting in the in 
uh, when we were in the, the waiting area at the airport, um, kind of going over the rules, the do's and don'ts of what Wisconsin law was on these stuff. And, and actually, on the flight on the way back, I ended up, it was two across, I ended up sitting next to one of the young ladies who was actually coming out here to be an entertainer at Harley's 100th. And we actually, we got we got to talk, and the part of the thing was, I'm looking at this young girl, this young gal, and I mean, she could be my daughter. There was no question about it. You know, she wasn't, but she could be my, my daughter. And I, I was thinking, how would I feel if I was the dad? And, you know, she's flying halfway across the country to, you know, serve shots at some, you know, biker place for Harley's 100th. And I guess it's an honest living, but I admit I wouldn't be too terribly thrilled about it. And I have reached the point in time in my life where if I'm going to the auto show, it's typically because I'm ready to buy a new car and I want to be able to see the difference between one brand and another. So I'm not going to miss the Booth Babes. And I think uh, you're going to see more and more of Booth Babes or their equivalent starting to disappear. It's 153. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 156, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. This might be my favorite text of the day. Jeff, how would guys' wives feel about knowing that they enjoy going to see scantily clad women? <laughs> okay. Well, I, I, I do have a news flash to any, to any wife out there. Um, I, I don't know that it's particularly a secret that... You know, men might like to see scantily clad women. I just, I'm just, I don't know that that's necessarily the, the secret. When we, when we were in Key West, um, we were, uh, of course, they, they got all these beaches and stuff there, and we were waiting to go to, um, we're going, we're waiting, we were waiting to go to lunch. It, it opened up at 11:30. Louis Backyard, great restaurant down there, and it's right next to this beach. And as we're standing, kind of waiting to go into this place, I'm with my wife, and this woman walks up from the beach, wearing. Practically nothing. I mean, this was a, an attractive young woman wearing practically nothing. I guess you could call it a bikini, but just in the broadest sense of the term. And she kind of walks by, and my wife says to me, did you see that? To which I, my response was, see what? <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know. I, no, I, 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 was, I was looking at the menu for the place. I have no idea what you're talking about, darling. Um, but, I mean, I, I guess it's just... That's not necessarily a secret, but um, no, I had no idea. I don't know what you're talking about. I couldn't imagine it. All right. Um, two and a half weeks from now, Wednesday, March 28th, I will be hosting Insight 2018 at the Country Springs Hotel. We've got a number of great guests, uh, Governor Scott Walker, uh, the Republican Senate candidates, Kevin Nicholson's there in person. Leah Vukmir is going to be there on an interview that we're going to tape ahead of time. We're going to have uh, the Attorney General Brad Schimmel, my dear friend Kathleen O'Leary from the State Fair is going to be there. Um, other guests as well. It's going to be a great night. Tickets are on sale now, and the ticket sales have been robust. Twenty-five bucks. Um, hope you can join us. Um, you go to WTMJ.com. You'll see the Jeff Wagner Insight 2018. Uh, it's a great chance to see newsmakers in an intimate sort of setting. Tell you what, I have a pair of tickets to Insight 2018 to give away. Let's give them to caller number 12 at 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Caller number 12 wins a pair of tickets to Insight 2018 presented by our friends at Annex Wealth Management. All right, when we come back after the news, I'm going to be joined in the studio by the senior senator from the state of Wisconsin, Ron Johnson. A lot to talk to Senator Johnson about. Stick around. It's 158. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 
It's 207. This is Jeff Wagner. I am very pleased to be joined right now live in the studio by the senior senator from the state of Wisconsin, Senator Ron Johnson. Senator, good afternoon. Oh, we got to turn on your microphone there. We got it on. We're set. Good afternoon. How are you doing? Uh, it's it's a, you know a lot of times we talk on the phone because you're in Washington and meetings and stuff. So it's good to see you in person. It's always a lot easier doing these things in the studio. <laughs> that's that's great. All right, let a lot of ground to cover, Senator. Let, let's start with the news that broke yesterday. President Trump uh, apparently going to be participating in a summit with the the leader of North Korea. Is this a good thing? Yeah, I, I never really understood the whole narrative that is you shouldn't reward these regimes by talking to them um giving them that kind of stature i i, I sort of understand but i, I never really bought into it uh, i think the most important thing is you know really what were the actions that are actually occurring and the fact that president trump has certainly given both the chinese and, and kim jong-un something to think about uh we've ratcheted up the sanctions china has been key in that and so it's, it's brought Kim Jong-un to the bargaining table. I think the, the most important thing is just keep ratcheting up those sanctions. Do not uh, let up, not not even the slightest. I, I would continue to con- ratchet them up until they actually have denuclearized in, in a verifiable, verifiable fashion. So do you just do can't you, be snookered by the guy. Do you think it is a, partly as a result or maybe entirely as a result of the increased sanctions that now there's apparently this outreach to try to have a meeting? Sure, uh, except... I mean, the, the only caveat to that is this has been the North Korean pattern dating back three generations. Your grandfather, father, now son, they do all kinds of provocative behavior. They get people just, you know, really wits end, and then they offer a, the olive branch and then continue on their nuclear program. That's why I say you just can't, you can't be Charlie Brown to his Lucy, and you just got to make sure that you're not snookered by these guys, and you just keep the, the pressure ratcheted up. And, and, and it's vital that we have Chinese and the rest of the world community on the same page. Right. I guess I just don't, for, for some of the critics, I guess I just don't see what the downside to this w- would be. No, you're always better off talking. At least at least you're talking, and the, the chance for a disastrous miscalculation would be reduced. All right, let's switch gears. Obviously, one of the things that's been in the news over the last week, and as I know of a huge interest to you, is the whole question of tariffs. L- last week, Sort of an impromptu response to reporters. President Trump announces that he's going to tack, tack a, a 25% tariff on aluminum and on, on steel and a 10% tariff on um, aluminum. And that creates huge issues. What's, what's behind this and where do we go from here? Well, let's face it. Uh, you know, President Trump has had this view for decades. He surrounded himself with people like Wilbur Ross, who's involved in the steel industry, takes that same perspective. There, there's been pushback for literally months inside the Republican conference when the president comes to our lunch and the vice president. Uh, Republican senators have been warning him in terms of the problems of not negotiating a, a NAFTA deal. Uh, agricultural contracts are already being uh, canceled, and, and there's getting more supplies from Brazil, that, that type of thing. So I'm, I'm highly concerned about this action. Now, it could have been worse. He could have done it completely across the board, not exempted uh, Canada and, and uh, Mexico. It looks like he may exempt some other countries, some valued allies. I mean, so that, that's a positive step. It's right in the right direction. But, no, I, this is a very dangerous strategy. So when President Trump says the trade wars are good and they're easy to win, you kind of shake your head. Uh, no, I completely disagree. I, I'm afraid... Nobody wins a trade war. Uh, you you may lose less, um, but it's far too unpredictable. And, you know, any economy, 
Uh, any investor, markets, like stability. They like certainty. Uh, th- this does not provide that kind of certainty and stability that's good for any, for economic growth and for uh, successful markets. How do we deal, though, with the people that say, well, it, there, there's a trade imbalance, and you have all these countries that have been taking advantage of the United States with, with trade. How do you deal with that? Well, first of all, I'd ask them the question, would you rather export $2.3 trillion worth of products and have a half a trillion dollar trade deficit or have a trade surplus and only export a trillion dollars. Um, the other thing I'd point out is, you know, in the private sector, if you're somebody's really good customer, generally those suppliers treat you really well. And for the most part, the suppliers to America, the, the, the countries that import product into America, because we are the world's largest market, we are the world's best customer, we can utilize that position to wield some very positive influence. Now, it's not across the board. Look at China. You know, two-thirds of our trade deficits with China direct our activity toward them. And by the way, we already have all kinds of trade sanctions on China as a result. Well, that, that was one of the things that struck me about the particular industries that were being chosen. Because, for example, the steel industry, most of the steel we import is, is, is Canadian. I mean, right. China, it's only one, like 2%. So why, if we're trying to rein in China, why do you pick that industry? I can't answer that question. <laughs> but, again, the danger here is when Bush tried the same thing. Uh, producer prices, producer price index over a year increased 19 to 26% depending on the greatest steel. Now that's across the board. Not, that's just not the price on imports. That's across the board. When you have cost goods sold in manufactured products, and let's face it, Wisconsin's a big manufacturing state. We use a lot of steel and aluminum. Those prices first drive up finished good prices to consumers, all consumers, including steel workers, but also they make our goods more expensive on the export markets. We can totally shut off markets potentially. So if let's say you export thirty percent of your product. Uh if if you lose those markets, you're probably gonna need twenty to thirty percent less people in your in your factories. So again, you have to think this all the way through and I I just believe this is a very dangerous and risky strategy. Well of course also from the perspective of Wisconsin, if you look at the For example, agriculture, you know, we're we're a cranberry exporter. I mean, I got to imagine the people in Wisconsin Rapids are just banging their heads against a wall right now. Well, of course, those are politically targeted Harley-Davidson and cranberries, and and they'll suffer even worse. But every manufacturer that uses steel aluminum products or that might be retaliated just on a country-to-country basis could be a loser here. So how does this all ultimately play out? Um, Right now... Uh, the president apparently, I think, has backed off at least to an extent or maybe 30-day delays for Canada and Mexico and things like that. As you look into your crystal ball, what are we going to be dealing with well, five days from now? B- best case, this is a negotiating tactic, and he'll use this to get better trade deals with countries or with, with groups of countries. But I would have preferred put this drama aside and just buckle down, negotiate NAFTA, get it done, negotiate TPP. Now, that deal, by the way, was signed by the other countries. So now the United States is on the outside looking in at 40% of the world market, creating a huge opportunity opening for China. It just doesn't make sense economically. Senator Johnson, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk guns with you. I want to talk today's economic news and a lot of other stuff as well. We're joined by the senior senator from the state of Wisconsin, Ron Johnson. It's 215. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 2.17, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's my pleasure. I'm joined in the studio by United States Senator Ron Johnson. A lot of times we talk on the phone, but he's he's here in person. Um, 
Senator, let, let's talk about the economy. Really good news today. 313,000 jobs created. Um, it appears a lot of people who were out of the workforce have now kind of come back into the workforce. Is this going to continue, and what's the challenge going to be? Again, I think this Trump administration, the most significant thing they've done is they stopped adding to the regulatory burden on this economy. And that's and we've actually rolled back. We've, we've saved a few billion dollars, but the, the burden is close to $2,000 billion, $2 trillion worth. But that creates a level of certainty. Business people can concentrate on growing their business, improving their products, um, rather than figuring out what kind of new regulation might put them out of business. So that's been really significant. I didn't get too excited about one monthly report. But listen, 313,000 jobs. We haven't cracked 300,000 in my memory, quite, yeah. as, I, as I've been tracking these, quite, quite honestly. So that's just good news. And we do need to incentivize people to get off the sidelines. We, we pay too many people not to work. We tell all our kids, by the way, you got to get a degree, which kind of implies, ooh, factory work, uh, just not good enough for me. We can't find enough workers right. in, in manufacturing or in agriculture. So, you know, it, it starts in the high school. We have a cultural issue right there. All work has value. Uh, but it also has a real problem with our government programs that uh, pay people to sit on the sidelines. So the fact that this is such a vibrant economy and we're, we're coaxing people off the sidelines, even though they, they can get uh, government support, is a pretty good sign. And, and, of course, wages will increase as well. And we've seen that with the tax cuts. Walmart uh, increased their, their minimum wage, 2 bucks an hour. Those are really good signs. Well, that that's, dovetails into what I was going to ask you next. I, I understand there's some people who say, oh, nothing's getting done in Congress, but... I mean, look back at that tax reform package. I'm not sure you have the economy exploding like it is unless there was that meaningful tax reform. No, it was vital that we made American businesses competitive globally. We did that, and then some. And you're seeing the results in, in bonuses and, and 401K contributions and increases in minimum wage, investments. Uh, that's what makes an economy go. Not, not government spending. It's private sector spending. We gave businesses and individuals real tax cuts. And I think that's uh, one of the things that uh, most Americans will realize as they look at their paycheck. Uh, my take-home pay went up, contrary to what uh, people like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer were telling them. Is that story getting out? I, I guess that, that's just putting on your political hat for a minute. I, do, do, are, are people going to know that over the course of the next several months when they're deciding who to vote for? I, I don't watch too many polls very carefully, but one thing inside the conference, they're definitely keeping track of the popularity of the, the tax bill. And it is becoming more and more popular. So I think it is. And again, it's only been a few weeks since those uh, tax tables were adjusted and people could actually see the real paycheck. And, and people are noticing. We're, we're getting anecdotal stories. Uh, one of the senators, I won't name him, uh, was in a college and, and a college student came up and said, Senator, I, I just got to, I just got to tell you, I got, I got my, my, my next check here, $14 increase. And he thought he was, she's maybe making fun of it. He said, no. <laughs> I'm going to treat myself to a movie. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, she, really, she was thankful for 14 bucks a paycheck. Uh, a $1,000 bonus isn't a crumb. Right, exactly. Senator, um, obviously, the last couple of weeks after the horrible situation in Parkland, Florida, a lot of conversation about guns. Um, some people are suggesting this is the time where you're now going to see meaningful gun control reform. What's going on in the Senate, and where do you see this going? Well, we're going to continue to try and improve what can be improved. Now, you know, crack down on straw purchases. Enforce the laws that are in the book. Encourage jurisdictions to upload the information into the background check. But you take a look at the failure on the part of government. All that information was there. The warning signs were there. Didn't act on it. And, of course, you always have the, the, the challenge of what do you do with the not guilty yet. 
And gun control advocates have the hurdle of showing that whatever they're proposing, they will, you know, nick, take, take away from your Second Amendment rights. They have a hard time proving this is going to make any difference whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's the impasse you always end, at, end up at. Democrats refuse to engage in continuous improvement. They'll, they'll block things that aren't their vision of the perfect. That's unfortunate. We should, we should really take a look at what can we improve, but also not believe that there's some magic wand we can wave from Washington, D.C. that's going to fix this. I find that, I think the solutions are far more likely to, to be helpful at the local and state level. Where do you stand on proposals to say ban certain types of firearms? Like that, that's the popular one now. Let's let's ban the sale of the AR-15 and similar type of firearms. Just because a gun looks scary or you call it a certain name uh, doesn't make it any any more dangerous than a standard hunting rifle. So uh, I, I don't support that. I don't support uh, increasing the age. You know, we send these young men and women off to fight our wars. Uh, they can't buy a hunting rifle. And, and Jeff, in the end, one of the things I always ask myself. And I was just at a high school, and very young, very small, young woman asked me about gun control. I said, you know, I don't think it's my place to tell you what you need to defend yourself if you're feeling threatened. Uh, how many bullets ought to be in that clip? Two, six, 15? That ought to be your constitutional right. I'm in no position to tell you that. Let's let's switch gears. I know there's been an issue that has been close to your heart Um for quite a while, and that is the right to try legislation, and um, that's 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 not moving. I know as fast as you would have hoped it would have moved. I, I think, particularly with uh, President Trump mentioning right to try and, and you know lending his full support in the State of the Union, we're, we're getting pretty close. But no, it's been frustrating. I thought we'd have a vote on the Senate bill, which passed unanimously after enormous effort trying to get Democrats, Republicans, the pharmaceutical industry on board with you know this carefully crafted piece of legislation hasn't happened in the House, but I think we're getting close. Now, for people who might not be familiar, just briefly, what, what is right to try? It just allows an individual that is has a life-threatening disease to have access to make their own decision of a drug that's already been approved by the FDA for safety. It's continuing to go through the approval process, which means the drug company thinks it has value, it wouldn't be spending the millions to do that. It just lets those patients, their families, their doctors make that decision when they, they have no other, no, no other access to treatment. They, they don't qualify for a trial. Uh, they have nothing else. We give that freedom, that hope to the, the patient and their families. So if you have a, a spouse or a loved one who is like facing a diagnosis of terminal cancer, for example, um, and there's an experimental drug that's out there but it hasn't been approved yet, right to try would just allow the patient the option of saying, hey, give, give me a chance to save my life. If, if the manufacturer allows it. I mean, there's no, there's no requirement for the manufacturer to make that drug available. But if it's already passed the safety approval of the FDA, we're just saying let let Rather than have an, FB, or an FDA bureaucrat, and we've seen far too many cases where they just say, no, we're not going to let you do that. And people like Dr. Del Passant, who is a cancer specialist in Texas, had a trial, FDA, 150 patients. The drug was working. He wanted to add 73 more patients. The FDA said, nope. But because he had Texas rights to try, he risked his career and said, I'm going to give that drug to those 73 uh, they lived a lot longer. They may still be alive today. So we, we want to protect people like Del Passant. We want to give freedom and hope to Americans. Take that power away from the FDA bureaucrats. Senator, let me ask you to hang with me for one more break. When we come back, got a couple political questions to ask sure. you. So it's 225. Jeff Wagner joined by United States Senator Ron Johnson. You're listening to News Radio 620 WTMJ. TMJ.
227. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, joining the studio by the senior senator from the state of Wisconsin, Ron Johnson. Uh, senator, let, let me ask politics. Um, if you believe polls, now, of course, if you believe polls, Russ Feingold would have won your elections two times in, in a row. A lot of people believe that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um, it, 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 people talk about an enthusiasm gap. Um, what are you seeing? Is this going to be a bad year for Republicans? It's just so incredibly hard to predict. I guess what I what gives me hope, particularly in the state of Wisconsin, and, and I'm the beneficiary of just such a strong grassroots effort. And we hold a convention every year. Uh, you know, Scott Walker, I think, was very intelligent when he got his recall. He, he let the RPW fund the grassroots effort. You know, that was a signal to all of us. We support the RPW and let them continue to do the grassroots effort, our, our data file. Or, you know, so yeah, we really do have that grassroots structure, particularly in an off-presidential year. And that was my challenge is the, you know, the half a million additional voters that don't generally come out for the off-year elections. Um, so from my standpoint, we feel a good candidate for the United States Senate. Uh, I ought to have a Republican colleague in 2019. I, that's surely what I'm hoping for, and I'll, I'll do everything I can to help out. I, I, it's it's very clear to me that we're per, <clears throat> we, we are perhaps as a country more more divided than, than ever in, in many respects. Um, is that in part due to the, the president, and is the president going to be a, a net benefit or a, a net minus for Republican candidates this year? Do you think again hard to predict, but I would blame it more on the resistance movement that began protesting the day of the inauguration. I, I've never seen anything right. in my lifetime. We're about the same age. Have you ever seen, you know, a, a newly president, a new newly right. elected president, no honeymoon given, period, any kind at all. of honeymoon right. whatsoever, no no well wishes. Uh, yes, from a policy standpoint, from a solution standpoint, we're divided, but I continue to concentrate on the fact that we all share the same goal of wanting a safe, prosperous, secure America, and that's just true. And if we focus more on that, um, you know, I, I said during the campaign that uh, Donald Trump was the political equivalent of a disruptive technology. Uh, he's proven me right in spades. Um, <laughs> you know, I'd like a little, little <laughs> less drama. Uh, but you also have to recognize where the successes are. We've defeated ISIS. That that territorial caliphate is gone. Uh, we have stopped over you know, increasing the regulatory burden. We did make American businesses more competitive. Now we're saving the courts. We're we're putting in judges that will apply, not alter the law. There have been an awful lot of good things. And and again, my one of my the reasons I've been speaking out on these tariffs is I don't want to see the president in policies fritter away the gains we've made over the last year economically. And I'm afraid that's what could happen with these tariffs. So there's an awful lot that's been done well, and I think the economy is improving. The jobs report would be right. you know, one, one uh, piece of evidence on that. So in the end, let's hope James Carville's right. It's the, the economy's stupid, and, and that would bode our, you know, certainly inure to our benefit. How do you find the president to work with personally? I, I actually, he's, he's engaging. He's gracious. Uh, he's pretty funny. You know, when, when you meet him and stuff, um, you know, so on an interpersonal right. basis, I enjoy being around the guy. You know, I have no problems, you know, personality-wise with him. I, obviously, I could do without the tweets. I could do without the drama. I'd like a little, little bit little bit more stability. Uh, I don't really like conflict myself. Apparently, he likes it. So we, we ran our different businesses differently, completely differently. He's obviously a different kind of president than uh, I think most of us uh, have have kind of learn to expect but you know he certainly had a number of successes senator ron johnson thanks so much for spending some time for me this after with me this afternoon i hope to see you again soon we would enjoy it have a great weekend 
237, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. And a uh, special thank you to U.S. Senator Ron Johnson for taking the trouble to come on in and spend a half hour talking about different issues. Um, it, it's just, it is interesting. I always think back when we, we look at polls and there was a lot of noise made after the Marquette University Law School poll came out a couple of days ago. And it, I, it, it, it is true. If you looked back and you looked at those polls, well, Russ Feingold would have been elected <laughs> back in 2010, and Russ Feingold would have been reelected back in 2016. And Senator Johnson has been, I think, confounding some of the political pundits for years and years. And I appreciate his um, kind of no nonsense approach and his sort of straight shooting approach to different things. All right. We reach the point, we come to this point every week where the last half hour of the show, we kind of put away the heavy lifting and we stop talking about guns and politics and the economy and all that other stuff. And we, we have a little bit of fun. I call the segment Pop Culture Corner. Sometimes we talk about movies, sometimes books, sometimes TV, sometimes theater, sometimes sports, sometimes cars. Um, today, we're going to talk about something that's near and dear to all of us, food. Now, I, I call this segment, and and by the way, our numbers to join us, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. In addition, as I was mentioning before the break, we are live streaming. So we're up at Facebook.com slash, slash 620 WTMJ. And I know there's lots of people that watch that way as well. So you can check it out. I actually even kind of dressed up. We're in a sport coat and stuff for today. So you can check out, see what we have on. But today's segment, I, I call this, I'm in the mood for food. Um, one, one of the things that I think binds us all is that no matter who you are, it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or Democrat, a conservative, liberal, somebody that loves dogs, somebody that loves cats. One of the things I, I think that kind of binds us is we all, every once in a while, we all like to treat ourselves and we all like to go out for a, a good meal. And we all have go-to restaurants. You know, it's it's the place that's kind of like Cheers, the place, I don't know if everybody knows your name, but that place that you go you get that consistently good meal. It's the place where it's like, all right, it's a Tuesday night. I don't feel like cooking. Let me go to X place. We all have those places. You know, maybe it's a Friday night fish fry. Maybe it's a, a fancy restaurant where you're going to be dropping. It's going to cost you 45 bucks for a steak or 50 bucks for steak. You know, maybe it's that, that mom and pop restaurant on the corner. We all have our go-to places. And I thought, especially we're kind of in the middle of Lent, you got the fish fries that are going on, although I don't want to limit this to fish fries. I thought we'd talk food. So this is one of these segments where, by the way, you can go back and you can watch it again on Facebook Live, but this is one where sometimes I know people actually even get out pads of paper and stuff and start writing down some of the restaurants. This is it. Pop Culture Corner for this week. I'm in the mood for food. Your go-to restaurant. For one, for the place where you always get a good meal, you're always treated well, you always enjoy yourselves, your go-to restaurant, 414-799-1620. As I always say, don't overthink this. You know, sometimes people try to say, well, if I, this is my favorite restaurant, but if I say that, people think I'm dumb. No, 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 don't overthink it. Go with your first instinct. And again, I encourage people, our phone lines tend to jam up. I want to get to as many different calls as possible. So uh, call quickly so you can get through. 414-799-1620. I'm in the mood for food. 
your go-to place to eat. We are back with your calls, your texts, your comments in just a minute. It's 241. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 244, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's Pop Culture Corner. I'm in the mood for food, your go-to restaurant. We're also live streaming on Facebook Live, so facebook.com slash 620WTMJ. Let's start with Andrew in Milwaukee. Andrew, you're first. Hello. Oh, man, I could go for a Ballesteri's <laughs> Pizza. Okay, um, on, on, on Wells, like on what, 60th, yep. uh, 68th and Wells, huh? Yep. Uh, I got to tell you, and I'm, I'm going to probably irritate some people, but that's my favorite pizza as well. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I I just uh, plus I I love everything about that restaurant. Um, I mean it's just I mean it's it's the ultimate pizza parlor and um, oh, yeah. yeah no <laughs> thanks no I, I I'm there. There's lots of good pizza around, and I understand when you pick one place over another, you're kind of like throwing down the gauntlet. And there's lots of great pizza around, but uh, Balistrieri's on 68th and Wells. I love that four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Your go to restaurant. Let's talk to Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. I'm going with Tops because their burgers are awesome, and if I don't want to uh, misbehave too badly, I can get the fish sandwich. But the <laughs> thing that really controls me is the custard. The custard. That that drives you in there, huh? Yeah, that's... Yes, I actually plan my dinners around their flavor, flavor forecast. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I, have, um, I have a very dear friend of mine who, whenever butter pecan is on there, it's, I, I used to live right by a, a cops, and whenever butter pecan is on, I'd get the phone call and say, hey, can you pick up some butter pecan for me and all? So that's, they, that, thanks for, I mean, that, that, you know, that's one of the great things about cops. It is, it, it's, it's just consistent, and it's consistently good. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to. Uh, let's see. We've got uh, um, Herb on the north side. Herb, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Oh, Mykonos on eighty fifth Capital. Okay, that's one of the. Th- that's that's. Uh, yeah, I've been there on several occasions. It's, it's, it's a Greek restaurant. It's one of the standard things where you've got like two million things on the on the menu, and they do everything well. Yeah, they have the best uh, cod fish fries. Oh, really? Huh. Okay, well, I'm all thanks for I'm always looking for a great fish fry, and I'm a breakfast guy, and I love, I love, 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 love the places that you can go and you can get breakfast 24 hours a day. I don't know why it is, but I just, I, I love going out for breakfast, and sometimes I don't mind having breakfast for dinner as well, and I love those places that serve it all around. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. All right. When you're in the mood for food, what what is that food? Let's check in. Um, let's see on our on our uh, Facebook Live page, uh, Fox and Hounds in Richfield, um, Irv's Mug in Oak Creek. I have heard nothing but great. I haven't been there. I've heard nothing but great stuff about the beers they have there. Beer bellies four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Michelle in Waukesha. Michelle, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Um, there's a tiny little family pizza place. And it's kind of hard to find, but it's on Pewaukee Lake. It's Doc's Dry Dock. Okay. The whole restaurant smells like garlic. <laughs> There's only about six tables in the whole place plus bar seating, but it's awesome, awesome thin crust pizza. See, I I love finding those kind of places, the little sort of hole-in-the-wall type of places that, you know, that, that a lot of times maybe it's only the locals that know about or something. I love finding those places. Yes, it's it's been around for as long as I can remember, and they've got great pizza. Um, thanks, Nicole. You know, it's interesting. We talk about Doc's Dry Dock. There's there's a place 
downtown Milwaukee on the Kinnikinnick River called Barnacle Buds. Same sort of, it's, it's right out, I mean, it, it's it's not fine dining, but it's, you know, boats can pull up there. It's You, you have to know where it is to find it. It's kind of tough. you got to wind through this industrial area, and if you ever take somebody there that's never been there before, they think it's like a scene from The Sopranos, and you're taking them down there to whack them. It's that kind of thing, but again, it's just, it's a wonderful setting, and it's, again, it's not fancy cuisine, but <laughs> the particle buds came to mind. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to, uh, let's see, Kevin in Heartland. Kevin, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello, Canyon City. It's on the corner of Grandview Boulevard and 94 in the city of Waukesha. Okay, what do they, what do they specialize in? I've never been there. Yeah, they have the best. It's a wood grill, and oh. anything wood. Their pizza is really good. Their burgers are good. Their fish fry is good. Um, ribs are really good. And you, it's kind of tough to get in. You've got to go back in behind Denny's and um, <laughs> get in. Off an access road. So it's another one of these places that you got to know what you're looking for to find it. Yes. All right. Well, that makes me, like I say, that's 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 just a great place. I love it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Pete in Waukesha. Pete, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Yeah. Hi. My drink is a place in New Berlin called the Rainbow Restaurant. It's like on one on uh, College Avenue, just west of Y, just west of Racine Avenue. Okay. Tucked in a little neighborhood, and if you like breakfast. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is, the, this is the place to go. But because it's a lot of food, or it doesn't cost much, or it's just a fun place to go. Both. Okay. Both. Yeah. People are nice. It's a bunch of regulars. Yeah. See that? That's it. it so it's kind of like your cheers. Everybody, you walk in. Hey, Pete, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Everybody asked where you've been for the last two days if you weren't there. Well, I, right. I, I get that. I mean, thanks. You know, it, it's it's interesting. There, um, it. I saw this. It, it happened what two weeks ago when I was on vacation. I was in Key West, but I, I grew up in Glendale. Okay, and um, for decades, you know, the go-to place was Silver Spring House, which was there forever. And you know, they, they just they suddenly closed. I mean, it, it was one of those places that that was everybody's cheers for a while, and then you know, I mean, I, I get it. Things happen and all, but I mean, you know. For for the longest time, Silver Spring House would be one of those type of places you could go and you could get a good fish fry and you get a good beer. Um, 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Tom in Greenfield. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Hello. How you doing, Jeff? Good. Well, mine is uh, old mass, uh, not only for the food, for the view, and also for some shop tours that they used to, a lot of the restaurants, uh, German restaurants and stuff used to make in Milwaukee, don't make that anymore. And that's, yeah. That's all it's good. There's one other place, too, that's, if you're going out to Lake Geneva, it's Popeye's out on Lake Geneva, out in Wrigley there, off of Wrigley Road, it's good, too. Okay. Um, well, Golden Mast, I mean, it, everything the Weisgerbers do is just top-notch. Um, and the Golden Mast, just a, a great place to go, um, no question about it. Jim in Burlington. Jim, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello. My two places would be Fred's World's <laughs> Greatest Burgers in Burlington <laughs> and Twin Oaks Country Inn in Twin Lakes, Wisconsin. You are every, you, you know, I, I can't do a restaurant related topic without somebody from Burlington calling up and, and touting Fred's. That, I, I've been there a couple times. It, it is amazing. Anytime, anytime they gotta give you a steak knife to eat your burger, you know it's a good place to go. Yeah, it's terrific. It, it works for me. No, thanks for calling it. And of course, that's right as you go over the bridge. Just absolutely outstanding. Let's talk to, um, Mark in Mosquito. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello, uh, my go-to place is the Hale House in Hale's Corners. I have never been there. What's uh, what do you like about it? What's the specialty? 
Uh, I like the fish fry. The fish fry is great. They offer uh, a couple of different uh, cod and uh, a perch, and they also make a, uh, a baked cod that's great. But their burgers and everything appetizers, it's a scratch kitchen. Yeah. It's a little hit. It's a little hit and gem, but everything is wonderful. And I've gone there any day of the week, and uh, it's just great. Well, that's it. You know, consist. See, that's the thing for a go-to restaurant too. It, it's a place that's Absolutely. going to be consistent. You know that you know you know you can go there on a Monday night if it's open, and it's going to be just as good if you go there on a busy Saturday night. So thanks for the call. Let's see on our text line. I'm addicted to Toshi Ramen in West Bend. Yeah, that used to be in Shorewood. I actually know the guy um, that's the owner. Um, cool. Let's see. Um, Maddie's on College Avenue, great pork chop sandwich. That's the I I love. That's the kind of great comfort food. You know, you, you show me you show me a place that's got a you show me a place that's got a good pork chop sandwich or a great pork chop chop sandwich, and I'll I'll show you a place that's uh, very popular. Jan in New Berlin. Jan, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Okay, your go to when you're in the mood for food. Where do you go? Barbier's pizza on 58th and blue moon that's been there that's been there forever um yes. yeah and I, I think i think a lot of the waitresses probably were still were they were probably working there when i was a kid they're probably still working there now right and they're very nice they're, i see regulars there um when i'm trying to get together with my adult children we meet there it's it's great. Yeah, it is. It's just, I, th- thanks for call. I mean, there, there's all these different places. Boy, I wish we had a little bit more time. Let's see. Mason's Eatery in Kenosha, the Nightcap Inn, uh, Sago's. Now, Sago's isn't around anymore, but uh, she loved that. North Lake Inn, McBob's. Um, uh, let's see. Wave for Vietnamese. That's, yes, that's absolutely outstanding. We didn't get to any of the go-to Chinese places, but there's a lot of those around as well. See, this is one of the things I love. And, you know, when you, when you read the restaurant reviews in the, in the paper and stuff, they're, I don't know, they're, they're talking about a lot of the fine dining establishments, and that's cool. I, I love that. But you give me a great Wisconsin supper club, or you give me, I don't know, the, the place that's, you know, got, it maybe seats like 20 or 25 people and it's got the bar in the front. You give me that type of place and, and I'm going to love, I'm going to love it. I, I've got people say, what are your go-to places? I got a lot of them that are around the area. That, that's one of the great things about living around here. There's so many good places that you could find. I recommend, there are some places I recommend to people and they'll say, well, this is in the middle of an industrial neighborhood or something like that. And, and you try to really go in. Yes, go in. You're going to find great steaks or whatever there. All right. I'm out of time. We've got uh, John McCure and Melissa Barkley coming in in just a couple minutes. We'll find out what they have on their minds. If you want to check back again, we, we broadcast, we stream this on Facebook Live so you can watch the replay of that as well. It is 255. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.